0: Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth.
1: That's the Advertising Show on a Father's Day, and uh, good afternoon. Happy to be with you. being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production, it's, uh, Ray and Ray Shillins and uh, Brad Forsyth here. We have, uh, well, a whole bunch of good stuff going on today. Brad, how are you doing, first of all? Well, just doing
2: great. And by the way, happy Father's Day, Ray. What are you going to do with that
1: new tie? <laughs> right, right. No new tie. That's a good thing. No. And so I've got plenty of t- new ties, and that's fine. Shaving mug. Shaving, shaving mug. No, no, no. Don't need that. Don't need that. Okay. Yeah, a little bit higher. And uh, I wonder. If we've got Tony Kern. I wonder if he's a dad. We'll have to ask him there too as well. Yeah. Tony Kern is the. Uh, U.S. Deputy Managing Partner of Deloitte & Touche uh, Technology, Media, and Communica- Telecommunications, TMT Group. He's also the uh, America's Managing Partner for Media and Entertainment and is the Global Managing Partner for TMT Business Innovation. He has a very... Crowded business card, you see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, this this Father's Day, we've got uh, actually some gifts here uh, uh, f- oh, for dads. Uh, yeah, right. Exactly, uh, Dad. The, the three dogs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, anyway, some interesting things there, and also uh, we found a survey here of uh, of what fathers throughout the uh, throughout the ages would be making. The salaries of America's favorite TV dads, uh, people oh. like George Jefferson, Fraser Crane. Uh, Ricky Ricardo, Herman Munster, we even had his salary as it would be in 2005 terms, so we'll do that as well. We've got Patrick Meyer on the way. Lifestyle innovation is what he's going to be talking about. That'll be next hour. Jonathan Margolis is with us. We've got Jeffrey Gittimer, Andy Borowitz, the wacky world of marketing. Seems there's a bit of a problem with, um, well, we had JetBlue on a few weeks ago. Uh, there seems there's a problem with Hooters air. Okay, they some <laughs> college students believe it's been ripped off. So by from them. So we'll find out about that.
2: I wonder if it smells like wings on
1: <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> I'm plane. sure it does, hmm. and I'm sure nobody really cares. Uh, we also have good advertising a little bit later on this hour. Our advertising showcase. So, yeah. so yeah. what's cooking on your end there?
2: I got to tell you, you know, as as we always do, we gather content for today's show. And I think the biggest news that we heard late last week, a Friday, as a matter of fact, was the fact that Fallon and BMW will be parting ways. Publishers Group Fallon said it is parting ways with BMW after ten years as its lead creative resource. The uh, client BMW spends 150 million annually. Now here's the key, Ray. Agency Chairman Pat Fallon said the client expressed interest in launching a review. So he chose to yes. resign the business. How about that? How about I that? I think it's you know good for you, Pat. I mean the guy you got to you got to believe that uh, the guy is a little resentful for over ten years of outstanding creative that he's provided for BMW. I mean it's it, without a doubt. I mean if you read any publications or watch television, you're seeing an outstanding job for building the BMW brand, and uh, it's his way of saying, "Hey, you, you want to do a review? Count me out."
1: Okay do you
2: think
1: That's, that certainly is being honest isn't it well,
2: glad pat's got the kind of money he can do that
1: yes, so talking about cars um, this is from an ad age uh, uh, story it says uh, uh gm employee discount promotion which is still going strong and we talked about that uh is, is pulling more potential buyers into the showroom and it is uh, it is uh uh, Ford and Chrysler are uh, basically getting stung by this whole thing by the employee mm-hmm. discount strategy. So that's quite interesting. too. and, and there are some automakers who uh, and auto dealerships who say we're going to extend that to you too. They're kind of they're, they're not really. <laughs> they're, I don't think they're really allowed to say that, but they're they're saying hey we'll give you an employee discount too no problem. What do you mean other dealers that are other dealers GMB? outside of yes exactly huh. exactly. So I've heard well, a couple you know, of commercials I- for that.
2: Yeah, I was going to say I saw uh what's the uh, GM product that uh is known for not doing negotiation and all that. Oh, Saturn. Right. Yes. Yes. I've seen new commercials from St- from Saturn that I think are very well done and we did feature the GM uh, employee campaign last week as the advertising item of the week, and I have not seen that spot lately. So maybe uh, I have seen the Saturn spot, right? and I don't watch that much TV, but what television I've been watching, I haven't seen the GM uh, uh, spot that we featured last week. Have you seen it, right? No, I don't think
1: I have. I don't think yeah. I have seen that one.
2: Maybe they listened to the show and they pulled it.
1: It's quite possible. There's a <laughs> as long as we're talking about cars here, and this uh, switching to a Mercedes, uh, consumers getting increasingly pinched at the pump. However, I think if you're a Mercedes owner, like you would say, okay, uh, they 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 said the Mercedes-Benz owners could use a helping hand. The automaker is offering a $500 prepaid gas card to customers who lease or buy a Mercedes as part of an email promotion. Notice, I hmm. said email promotion running right. uh, through uh, May thirty first uh, uh, to subscribers of the New York Times online. So hmm. isn't that very interesting? You know, you're not going to see this on television. You're going to see it on the New York Times online. It is an email promotion. It's a five hundred prepaid gas card. They say if uh, gas sells for two fifty a gallon, then you get twenty mpg. That mean your fuel for the first four thousand miles would cost nothing. Uh, interesting. Yeah, well, I was pumped at the pinch, the uh, pitched at
2: the pump the other day, right?
1: Oh, really? Who pinched you?
2: Well, this homeless lady <laughs> trying to hit me up for a few bucks. I see. But I uh, said all I this credit card,
1: yes. Yeah, I, I do need that anyway. snare and the symbol here in the studio. Please, well, thank lucky you. lucky for us, you don't have that anymore. Yeah, it's, yeah, I took it home. Jonathan Margolis is up here on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Oh.
3: And now, it's time for Jonathan Margolis with Guerrilla Marketing for the 21st Century.
4: Turns out I'm not the only one pushing non traditional marketing. Recent articles in AdAge tell a similar story. Based on 2002 figures, traditional advertising for the tobacco industry dropped dramatically from 212 million in 2001 to 156 million in 2002. That's a 60% decline. Then, at the American Magazine Conference held recently, it was noted that publishers have reason to be concerned, given the advertising industry's shift into more non-traditional media. While these stories are no doubt important and informative, one only needs to walk to work or go out at night to see the effect this type of media continues to have on the industry and our environment. Everyone, from the food industry to consumer electronics, is turning to non-traditional marketing initiatives to help get the word out in their product or brand. Even charitable groups and nonprofit organizations. Recently, Target took over a vacant storefront in New York Times Square and sold just pink products for breast cancer awareness. And who isn't pleasantly surprised when approached by a co worker selling Girl Scout cookies for their daughter or niece? Remember, it's all about approaching the consumer in an unexpected way and doing something that's not only buzzworthy but pressworthy as well. It works. And don't forget to try the Thin Mints, they're the best. For now, this is Jonathan Margolis for the advertising show, reminding you it's a jungle out there. This has been
3: Guerrilla Marketing for the 21st Century with your host, Jonathan Margolis, president of the Michael Allen Group. To learn more about Jonathan and his company, log on to Michael Allen.com.
1: It's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. just about to bring Tony Kern on. Tony is in uh, Washington, uh, D.C. this weekend, a great, uh, great place to be. Uh, I told you a little bit about Tony, but uh, he brings nearly 30 years of TMT experience to the organization, directing worldwide consulting programs from major media companies, wireless carriers, regional bell operating companies, cable television operators, financial institutions, and technology concerns. Rarely has time to play golf. Tony's recent engagements include management consulting, global corporate restructurings, uh, enterprise-wide optimization planning, and strategy and business planning, as well as he changed the oil in his car, I think, last week. Uh, Merger and Acquisition Reviews and Internal Control Compliance. He's spoken on various uh, TMT topics and is recognized as a TMT industry expert by the U.S. federal courts in matters of management, transactions, and value strategies. And, Brad, if we're lucky, maybe we can even get him to uh, tell us about the 1040 long form if we want. Well...
2: I've sent my uh, taxes to, for him to review just prior to the show. That's and, right. Uh, he said he would look at yours as well. If you
1: he'll might. also he'll also represent you when you go to the to the big house, basically.
2: <laughs> That's, you know, when you say, when you say TMT, of course, technology, media, and telecommunications. When as you interplay that with his uh, with his bio for a minute there, I thought he was uh, a part of a new wrestling network.
1: Oh, it's TMT, I see.
2: Oh, that's TNT, is it? TNT, yes, exactly. Is it? Yes. I don't know. I don't watch that stuff.
1: No, I think that's just a cable channel, but I don't think they show wrestling. Well, they might show is wrestling it? on there. I don't know. Did, I don't did you watch.
2: About, did you, Well, I don't either. I'm busy, you know, glued to WWF. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't watch that stuff. No. There's too much wrestling going on at my house anyway without having to watch on TV. You know, Bill See, we Clinton, don't want to
1: know about that, though. Okay, thanks.
2: Bill, <laughs> Bill Clinton is reportedly, Ray, and I know you'd be the first one to tune in. And on that note his own radio show, yeah. Oh, Do you know really? About this? No, no, no tell me about it. Well, according to Clinton's old Hollywood pal, that, of course, that would be director Harry Thomason. Uh, the former president has talked with radio giant Clear Channel about starting a new show. A spokesman for a Texas-based Clear Channel would say only that the company was talking with a number of ho- of high-profile people and refused to comment on the possible Clinton deal.
1: Wouldn't he so, be wouldn't he be better on Air America or something like that? Yeah. <laughs>
2: and not in terms of reach, but in terms of political yeah. stance. You're right. Right.
1: Yeah. right after Al Franken. It's <laughs> time for Bill. Hey, we're talking about yeah, dads dads here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. salaries. About a minute or so? Okay. Uh, sure. uh Fred Flintstone, you remember he was a quarry crane operator. He never actually wanted well, he went to work from time to time. Uh this uh, this is this is T V dads salaries in two thousand five dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fred would have been making thirty seven three fifty seven. That's thirty seven thousand three fifty seven today. today. Mike Brady of the Brady Bunch was an architect. Only only pulling in about forty four oh sixty four. Herman Munster. Now, do you know what Herman Munster did?
2: Uh, he wore a big, tall, black suit and walked around. I don't remember, no. remember him. He's a
1: mortician. He's exactly forty seven yeah. two sixty eight. Ricky Ricardo was a band leader. And uh, he was pulling in 51931 nine thirty one in, in two thousand five dollars. What about for Homer Simpson? Do you know what he did? Um, no, I'm sorry. What Nuclear safety inspector, sixty five grand. Happy Father's Day to all those guys. And we'll be back in just a minute with uh, Tony Curran here on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillens and Brad Forsythe.
0: You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Schillens and Brad Forsyth.
3: Susie Chapstick has changed her name.
0: Call me Susie Chapstick. Hey, Susie Chapstick. This is real Chapstick weather, so
4: Chapstick is the only name for me. It's The
1: Advertising Show, Ray Schillens, Brad Forsyth, and Susie Chapstick. Uh, On a day like today, you probably should have some ChapStick with an SPF of, like, uh, whatever. 15, 15, 15 exactly, yeah. which is mm-hmm. a good idea anyway to have that kind of stuff anyway. Uh, today is uh, Tony Kern, our uh, special guest here, not for this hour, but also for next hour. Uh, we gave Tony a two-for-one deal today here on the <laughs> advertising show. You buy one hour, you get the next one for free. Oop, did True. I say that? U.S. Uh-oh. Deputy Managing Partner, Technology, Media, and Telecommunications Group at Deloitte & Touche uh, out of Washington, D.C., and we've got uh, Tony on the phone. Hey, Tony, Welcome to the advertising show
5: thanks happy father's day
1: thanks are you a dad too tony
5: yes two two girls
1: okay and what color uh, brand asked me gee tony (laughs) what color color tie did you get well i I was fortunate i didn't get i get one today i see yeah you got a bolo instead yeah i've got like
5: 25 years worth of (laughs) (laughs)
2: I take it your daughters are now of adult age and they come by and take the old man out for dinner or something easy like that, Right.
5: That's exactly what happened.
1: That's a much better deal. Be sure to wear one of your ties because... Like like radioactive material, you can ag- never actually throw those things away and or sell them at garage sales, yeah. right? Or they've got a uh,
5: half-life of about
1: 200 years. Right? Exactly, well, exactly.
2: You have 25 years' worth. You have both the wide and the narrow and the variations in between, <laughs> so you've got all fashion <laughs> exactly. trends covered there. Yeah, let's jump into a, a very brief, we've got a short segment here. You, you were quoted, Tony, in media post earlier this year, saying the media marketplace in 2005 will be transformed by a steadily disappearance of mass market uh, replaced by an ever-growing number of micro market markets. I'm sure that uh, this will be true, but here we are in June, midway through the year. How's your prediction standing up so far?
5: Well, I think we're see- we're seeing evidence that it's starting to happen. Uh, and uh, you know, actually, the the upfront the upfront market for television was pretty good this year. It was actually stronger than I think a lot of people had predicted. So that held
2: surprising really yeah.
5: well. Um, but you know I think slowly, but surely it 's happening there 's a lot of fragmentation going on across the entire audience group, and we can talk about devices later in content and that 's going to continue to happen so but I think people were generally surprised pleasantly surprised by the kind of positive uh, returns in the upfront season
2: yeah I, I agree i i, w- I wasn 't expecting that, and uh, how did we recall uh, cable making out? I know it's still being wrapped up as of a week or two ago. Is, did cable make out well?
5: Yeah, I think cable did fine. Most of the you know the big networks did okay this year. Well, you know, compared to compared to what people thought was going to happen, I think they did fine.
2: So. Yeah, and is that in a reflection of uh, you know relying on the traditional as opposed to uh, sticking? And it's not even sticking your neck out anymore nowadays. I mean the tv the television network television marketing concept we just have a little over a minute left here that as a means to reach the masses has been broken for some time i'm curious well why do you think it did so well this year
5: you know what happened you know what happened this year is i think the programmers did an exceptional job this year and i think there are programs and series which are very attractive right now and are generating a fair amount of excitement so you know we always say content is king content is still king so if you can deliver an exciting show, you know, or program, you're going to get the, uh, you'll get the advertisers as well.
2: And certainly ABC returning to the top uh, with uh, one program uh Desperate Housewives. I know Ray tunes into that regularly. Kind of a re- reflection of his life, actually. No, he looks at that, but his neighborhood, anyway. It's but, desperate. Uh,
1: desperate Housewives trading spaces. Actually, is what it is. <laughs> well, you're you're right. waiting
2: for the HGTV.
1: Version exactly. Of that. Exactly. Yeah,
2: we have just about a minute left. I know the idea of uh, in the TMT report of making TV networks a gateway to the media market at large. I'm curious. Tony, aren't Internet search engines like Google and Yahoo way ahead of the curve as far as it relates to a, a gateway? Or And we have just about a half minute left. We'll save that you, more for on the yeah.
5: – yeah. they I mean, the absol- they absolutely are at this point. A lot of it's about branding and p- things that people expect specifically from a particular brand. And I think some of the big networks really haven't defined that brand. When you're a mass marketer, it's hard to define a specific brand, but I think they're starting to get there.
2: Yeah. Well, Ray, that said, we've got so much to talk about with uh, Tony, and it's hard to ask him a question that we can't at least spend a couple minutes on. So I'm just... uh Add libbing a little bit to throw it back to you so we can take this break.
1: Yeah, you're dancing very nicely too there, Brad. I (laughs) really appreciate that. Uh, By the way, you can get in touch with us here at The Advertising Show at TheAdvertisingShow.com. We always take your email questions and uh, look forward to having you visit our site, uh, not only for uh, information on uh, today's guest, but also on some great stuff uh, uh, from past guests as well. It's just a good uh, resource to to check into uh, uh, at least once a week here, TheAdvertisingShow.com. In just a minute, we've got uh, the Wacky World of marketing. That's going to be coming up in just a a few moments here on the Advertising Show. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth with our special guest today, Tony Kern, who is U.S. Deputy Managing Partner, Deloitte and Touche. Back in a minute.
0: Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show.
2: Snap, what a happy sound. Snap is the happiest sound I've found. You mean clap, rap, tap, slap, but snap. Makes the world go round. Snap, crackle, pop, rice, crisp
1: beans. It's back uh, with the advertising show here on a Father's Day afternoon with Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and our special guest uh, is uh, Tony Curran, U.S. Deputy Managing Partner, Technology, Media, and Telecommunications Group at Deloitte and Two out of Washington. And we'll get uh, Tony back on the program here. Just a minute. We've got uh, lining up the um, the wacky world of marketing, uh, as we talked about earlier in the hour. Uh, we had uh, what was it, JetBlue on uh, an airline that is very cutting edge and kind of cool. Well, maybe you've flown Hooters Air, maybe you haven't flown Hooters Air, uh, but
0: uh,
1: <laughs> this is a different twist on Hooters Air. <laughs>
0: And now. It's time for the Wacky World of Marketing. Wacky World of Marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott.
3: Our wacky update heads to Chicago, where AP reports three former Southern Illinois University students aren't very high on Hooters Air. They're suing the airline that features the scantily clad Hooters girls as stewardesses. The students claim they developed a business plan for Hooters Air as a class project in 1997 before the airline ever got off the ground. They say Hooters adopted the plan but never paid them. The lawsuit Was filed in a Chicago court this past week. Hooters of America vice president Mike McNeil calls the lawsuit factually inaccurate and says it's nothing more than a publicity stunt.
0: And that, my friends, is the wacky world of marketing. This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of the Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and unfortunately, the true wacky world of marketing.
1: It's the advertising show with Ray and Brad Forsyth, about to uh, get back on the horn with uh, Tony Kern, U.S. Deputy Managing Partner to Technology, Media, and Telecommunications Group at Deloitte and Touche. Uh, before we get back to that, though, Brad, does, with Hooters air on the on the brain uh, or oh, whatever, would you like a brain? wing? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm. Uh, Howard Borden. Howard Borden used to be the uh, the Bob Newhart Show guy. He was the pilot, the airline pilot, and in, in, right. in, in two thousand five dollars, that, that dad uh was making 100 grand. No. Oh. 60 grand, 135818. Wow. Uh let's see Fraser Crane who was on the uh, uh the radio psychiatrist on Fraser from 93 uh, to 2004 uh working for Clear Channel. <laughs> no. Uh <laughs> he's pulling Probably in 164,000 a year. Uh and we'll have more of those throughout the uh, uh throughout the hour here as we yeah. continue. Hey Tony, welcome back to the advertising show.
5: Thank you.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. He actually stuck through the break, Ray. That's some kind of record. Let's yeah, talk about is. one of the uh, one of the latest trends, Tony, going on in the industry right now. That being consumers having a greater control over media content and consum- consumption. I'm curious, uh, in your mind, is this a good thing for marketers?
5: Well, I think Well, I think it's a very – well, first of all, I think it is reality. So it, it may not necessarily be a good thing, but it's something that marketers are going to have to adopt and adapt to fairly quickly. And And that is happening. You're absolutely right. Consumers, that power shift is – beginning to happen and i think it's a it's a generational shift right the 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 younger the folks are uh, the more exposed they are to different types of technologies that you know the 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 more they want what they want when they want it and that's the way it's being offered in a lot of places Mm -hmm. and so it does it creates a problem it is reality and yes it does create a problem for marketing
2: So, what do you see as the fallout as far as media companies, uh, you know, from their perspective as the consumer pulls content as opposed to the traditional push concept?
5: Yeah, well, we like to say that that mass audience is becoming a mass of audiences. So, what you have to start looking at are some, and these things are starting to happen now, including embedded advertising and different types of sponsorships, and uh, there's a whole handful of different ways to. To get to those audiences, but it makes it very difficult for the big media companies and the the big media conglomerates. And I think you've probably read, you know, and I'm sure in the shows you've talked about, you know, some of the big consumer product companies like Procter and Gamble and others really beginning to question how and where they're going to place their, you know, their ad dollars. And and that's purely because these audiences are starting to fragment apart.
2: Well, and since you bring up embedded, and that's a hot topic right now as well, why don't you start by describing for our listeners that may not be familiar with uh, exactly what embedded advertising is. And is yeah,
5: I think that probably the easiest example or the, the probably the most primitive example of embedded advertising is just products that are placed blatantly placed in shows. And so there's a lot of, uh, I, I would think a lot of the home shows have this in it. Uh, certainly, uh, there's a show on Bravo called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, which I'm sure everybody's heard about. Which has a lot of product placement in it. Which is, um, you know, actually it drives a large part of that show when they when they redo some of the, uh, you know, some of the people that they make over, and th- and that shows up in a lot of the home shows. That's a fairly primitive way of you know doing it. The product's in the show, it's it's part of the program, but it's very effective, and it's it's very effective right now. That's one form of embedded advertising.
2: Yeah. And, and just to expand on that, because I'd like to get your thoughts on this, to, uh, embedded advertising, I guess, promises to be more subtle and at the same time to be fully integrated with its primary content. And software, for example, embedded ads uh, will appear as tool, toolbar buttons. And in games, I know we've all seen uh, a, a game itself be a part, uh, have embedded advertising within it. I'm curious, Tony, does a new advertising placement such as embedded advertising run the risk of being ignored, as as with the case of uh, banner or pop-up ads, or worse, uh, having consumers opt opt out when they have that option.
5: Yeah, you know, by embedding it in the show, by making it part of the program or the game itself, and some of the games actually have products built around them. You know, or the, or the games are built around specific products. But the, by embedding it, you, you can't TiVo through it. You can't blast through it and ignore mm-hmm. it. And if it's uh, you know positioned properly as a useful type of the uh, useful type of product, if it's embraced properly in the program in the show, then then I I don't think there's any escaping it. I think it's probably a pretty good way to go.
2: Yeah, and so uh, according to your study that uh, Ray mentioned in reading your bio, ad agencies uh, who are wanting to use embedded advertising will I guess need to, to know when the audience is available, what their members are uh, members viewers I suppose or participants are likely to be doing at the time as well as, uh, uh, you know, other elements of consideration. How, how do you capture, I'm curious, their interest within the context of having to understand, you know, what they're doing at the time when you get that embedded ad in front of
5: them? Well, I, you know, I think that that's been a topic of discussion in certainly in broadcasting for a long time, and I, I don't think we, anybody's solved that problem yet. Um, so it's real, it's really hard to know. But, I mean, generally by the, by the pure ratings of a particular program, I mean, you have to assume that people are paying attention to that advertising. And talking about advertisers and marketers and embedded advertising generally, it actually will force, and what we're telling a lot of the advertising agencies, it will force the advertising agencies themselves, and and the and the, uh, pr- the producers of the products, to actually become programmers. You've got to seek out um, if you're going to be you know sort of forward about it. You've got to seek out ways in which to get your product out there. So it's not you know I don't think it's I don't think you can sit there and be more of the kind of the standard model where things are pitched. I think they actually have to think about being programmers in a way, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. that gets you a little farther down the path than maybe you might be right now.
2: Yeah, and so do you think going forward the ad industry will be eager to embrace embedded advertising? What are your thoughts on that?
5: Yeah, I think they absolutely will. I think they're going to have they absolutely have to. I, I don't think there's a way you can stay away from it at this point. You know what's crazy? Between technology, the changes in technologies, and the ability to blast through kind of traditional ads. And although TiVo penetration isn't that high in the U.S. yet, but it, you know it's it's growing every day, and a lot of the new cable boxes are going to have built-in, you know, the the ability to go through some of this. Um, you know, I think they have to embrace it. So, and and there's going to be different forms of it over time. So, you know, it, it, the uh, Hollywood is very creative. The New York and the L.A. folks are very creative. So, I think yeah. we're going to see different permutations of it over time.
2: Well, it, uh, since you brought up TiVo, I want to ask you a question, but just in a general sense. Uh, Ray and I have both said this repeatedly on the show. We do live in a very exciting time right now, both for uh, media consumers as well as marketers, and there are those that are on top of things, and, and and you can tell that by way of what they're doing from a marketing standpoint, and there are others that unfortunately seem to be stuck in the past, and unfortunately they will be uh, left in the past unless they uh, understand some of the things we're going to be talking to you about today, Tony. What What do you think about... Tivo getting into the audience research business. Is there a potential strategy for advertising uh, with with uh, uh, Tivo, and what do you think uh, their role can be from a research uh, standpoint?
5: Well, you know, privacy considerations aside, because that's always an issue, is is uh, you know having a company like Tivo or anybody else know what you're doing at any particular time or watching at any particular time. I actually think there's probably a pretty good shot at a combination of you know technology and research that will, you know, yield some sort of ratings or, you know, at least viewership information. So I think, it's, I think it's, uh, I, I, it's actually a pretty exciting way to look at it. And I agree with you. This is an exciting business to be in right now. And mm-hmm. I think for people who are frustrated by it, and there are some people who are frustrated by it because it's changing very quickly, but you really have to understand it. You have to understand the technology and the audiences and embrace it, and, or you will be left behind. Mm-hmm. And there,
2: there are those that are frustrated by it are probably also those that just got their email account the last uh, 24
1: months. <laughs> but, or uh, maybe it's time to retire, folks. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but
5: it is an exciting but, time to be in the business. The Knowledge well, yeah, uh, Media Telecom segment is just
1: beautiful right now. One of the, one of the past guests of the advertising show, Diane Murmigus, uh, uh says uh, had an ad. Uh, let's see, the Hollywood Reporter she was in. That's an interesting, that's an interesting paper for her to be. It says the convergence of digital TV on demand services and DVRs are reshaping the way consumers approach media companies uh, that don't adapt now will be left behind, according to Diane. One of the biggest challenges for content providers and distributors will be protecting copyright claims and stemming the flow of advertisers to emerging platforms, according to our good friend Diane. Interesting.
2: Yeah, and you know, uh, newspapers are suffering and struggling with that right now and losing tremendous uh, market share with their traditional newspapers, and they're trying to figure out how to hold on to what market they have, keep uh, their rates the same, or unfortunately keep raising them. Uh, and I think there's a – we've talked often here about the uh, newspaper, and I'll chat with you about that as well in a minute, Tony. But staying with the TiVo idea, you know, we Ray and I have, have challenged the thinking in terms of, you know, is there some viable – Information with regard to the early adopters with TiVo. I mean, is this not really more of a microcosm of an elite group here in the U.S.? And therefore, when you begin to look at some of the viewer habits of TiVo, you're really looking at a, a, a very narrow strata of market that is, you know, very high-end, very exclusive. And only until TiVo gets more broad in its penetration will there actually be some good uh, audience research information there. What are your thoughts on that?
5: No, I agree with you. It is a small it is a small group of people. It's generally within, you know, a certain income range because the machines are not inexpensive, and uh, I agree with you. I mean, I think there's going to be a time when the price of those boxes will come down. I think TiVo machines are, are now being built into, you know, some of the satellite systems and some of the cable boxes, and so I think over time, you know, we'll, we'll get probably get a better sample out of that, but right now it's a fairly small sample.
2: Yeah, and I I find it unusual that they're trying to draw... A relationship between the masses of the of American consumer with the elite that are using that right now. You know, we we're talking about newspaper, and there certainly has been a lot of concern within the newspaper industry about young people not adopting daily newspaper reading habits into their regular media consumption. Uh, what do you think? We have a little less than a minute left here. Uh, traditional newspapers eventually going to go the way of the beta, beta video, and A track tape. What are your thoughts?
5: Yeah, over time, I'm I'm afraid that's the case. That you know, compared to the way they were, you know, have been over the last hundred. 100- plus years here in the united states or or more circulation edged down again this time not as dramatically as it had in the last survey but it was down slightly again i think usa today was up slightly maybe the wall street journal but overall it was down again and that's a that's just not a sustainable trend over time
2: and and why are the newspapers so late in picking up on you know what's been going on within their industry i now hear and read about uh uh, newspapers getting into blogging, as well as uh, doing some audio streaming and other things. Why, why are they so late in waking up to all this?
5: You know, I, I think it's 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 like a lot of things. I think it's hard to change over time. You know, you have 150 years of history. It's just hard to change. All of them have internet sites. Speaking large, of
1: uh, speaking of time, Tony, we've got to take a break okay. here. Uh, uh, thank you, and we'll uh, have you hold on the phone here. We've got another hour with uh, Tony Curran coming up next hour in just a few minutes. We've got our advertising showcase here on the Advertising Show. It's Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Don't forget, you can go to theadvertisingshow.com and you can find out a whole bunch more. Back in just a minute.
0: Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth.
6: Look what the guys on the team gave me. The king of the beer frame. Well, I may not be the best at picking spares, but when it comes to picking beers. I'll pick a kingpin every time. Budweiser is the king
1: of beer. Well, the Advertising Show. It's Ray Shillings and uh, Brad Forsyth uh, back with you for one final segment this hour. And then uh, we'll bring Tony back uh, l- next hour, about 20 past the hour. Patrick Myers uh, coming up, Jeffrey Gittimer, Andy Borowitz. Every week we look at the upside and the downside of advertising. Uh, this is to help you get a better handle on what's good and what's not so good out there from our perspective. And this week it is good.
0: And now it's time for The Advertising show, Advertising Showcase, an outstanding example of on-target advertising for the good stuff here's ray and brad
1: hey brad before we get into that we just played that budweiser commercial it says retro yeah Yeah, my friend Ed. uh (laughs) when he never brought me a prize the nostalgia phenomenon has hit the beer industries uh as 20-somethings are uh, ordering brews their grandfathers may have uh, drank such as uh what i didn't even see that one Yun, Yingling, <laughs> Y-U-E-N-G-L-I-N-G, you know. U- never heard of that one, Pabst, I know oh. that one, Rheingold oh. and Utica Club, so, do you know that one, Yingling? Well, no,
2: I don't. It sounds like, uh, you know, some kind of uh, Asian product. It's by the, the beer sound. with I- the
1: perfect balance.
2: I thought you were headed to what I've been reading about, which is young people drinking uh, spirits now, I'm hard liquor. Um, oh, okay. I'm not drinking so much beer today, and that's not good news for the beer industry.
1: Yes. So, what have what we got going good this week?
2: Well, the 63rd Annual Obie Awards Ceremony uh, that honors outdoor advertising's best work took place recently, just last month, and from a field of over 1,300 submissions, we're going to feature one of them today, which, incidentally, you can view all of those winners at uh, the Outdoor Advertising Association of America, OAAA.org's website, but uh, before I get into describing this uh, week's advertising showcase, I encourage everyone to go check that out if you want to see some great outdoor executions, and today's... Case, Ray, we have Hewlett Packard, which I know is your uh, product of preference when it comes to uh, any kind of technology, has a board <laughs> that takes the ending graphics of their TV spots and what you see in their newspaper and other print ads and features them in a dominant visual component on the board. But to help you recall, if you haven't uh, or don't recall seeing that, it's basically the words change happens. And then we have several multi uh, color arrows going from left to right that come out from behind that particular. Uh, headline, if you will, and then there are some uh, other words such as the word change and then the plus sign and HP. These are all common elements that you see in all of their advertising. And then the final uh, element is a tagline, solutions for the adaptive enterprise. Now, what makes this board, as I just described it, with those common elements on there such an outstanding execution is not that they're smart enough to take their ending uh, identity to their radio and, I'm sorry, to their television and print ads, but also uh, the fact that they're doing an outstanding execution and that they're growing, Ray, ivy from left to right, as you might see ivy growing on a brick wall of somebody's home or fence. Sure. So so basically what you have here is you have a message that ties in beautifully with, the, with uh, all of their other advertising. Of course, that's called fully integrated, but yet it's done in a way. That's truly eye-catching, innovative, and, and with the ivy growing across the board, it ties in beautifully with the message, change happens. And if you have difficulty in unfollowing what I described, go to trip, uh, OAAA.org, and you'll see this and other examples of outstanding uh, outdoor execution. So congratulations to Hewlett Packard Enterprise and Goodby Silverstein uh, San Francisco for this mm-hmm. week's Advertiser Showcase. Very
1: good. Well, that's a good thing yeah. to have on a, on a Father's Day. I like that.
2: Who goes up and waters that is what I want to know.
1: <laughs> we, should, we should ask them sometime, right? Yeah. Exactly. And in some places it would probably be illegal, I guess. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, this is interesting. Interesting fact. This is out a business week, this past week. It says, Mother's mm-hmm. Day, an estimated $11.25 billion dollar bonanza for marketers. Booming sales of flowers, candy, retail gifts. Father's Day is just a mere $8.23 in consumer spending. What,
2: that? what does that say?
1: It says that... <laughs> that You're going to you. cough
2: up some dough. Exactly. You better do it for mom.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, what they're yeah. saying is the average... Uh, the average um, uh, price here that uh, folks are spending on a Dad's Day gift averages 80 bucks. by the way. It's according to a, a 2004 survey. 80 bucks? Wow. I don't think so. And Doug's sitting here going I don't think so. <laughs> Doug's saying I'll
2: just take the cash.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's not a bad idea. We've got more with uh, Tony Kern, a U.S. Deputy Managing Partner Technology, Media and Telecommunications Group of uh, Deloitte and Touche uh, back next hour on the advertising show. We also have Andy Borowitz, did you know that Dick Cheney's underground lair may replace that uh, Guantanamo Bay uh, uh, seriously thing? Uh, Jeffrey Gittimer is with us next hour. Patrick Meyer, the marketing insider as well on The Advertising Show. The Advertising Show is brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. Don't forget, go to our website, too, for more information. It's uh, theadvertisingshow.com. The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth is a Big Radio Midgets production.
0: Welcome to the Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth.
1: That's the Advertising Show. Welcome back. Uh, hour number two here with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And our special guest this hour is Tony Curran, U.S. Deputy Managing Partner, Technology, media, and telecommunications. Deloitte and Two out of Washington, D.C. Advertising show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. Advertising show is a big radio midgets production. And Brad, I know you're not watching golf today here, no. uh, as we are. But uh, for those for those are, for those who are interested, uh, Jason Gore was the uh, was the Wonder Boy. He was the guy like uh, Bill Murray, you know that uh, you know was playing maybe Cinderella, uh, whatever it was, yeah. Now Jason Gore has slipped dramatically. This poor guy coming into the tournament had a had a his his car broken into. Their their stereo equipment stolen out of the car and uh and all of their clothes stolen and uh, apparently Best Buy came by, uh there's product placement, and uh, filled up their uh, their stereo in the car with a whole bunch of new equipment and Bells, uh, the uh, the clothing store came in and and uh, replaced their wardrobes and everything. And he was like in second or third place. The man is now down to uh well, he's way down, but the most so, interesting thing. Go ahead.
2: Well, as what do you take away from that? Self parking is not a good idea. Go yes. with valet. <laughs> I mean, what's yeah. going you on? He's want there? to
1: lock the doors, right? Exactly. Yeah. But uh, but he's having a heck of a time. He's uh, like nine over or something like that. Is that right? But the interesting thing here is is uh, is Retief Goosen, who went into this tournament uh, such a such a hot contender and held the lead for uh, quite a long time, is just totally fallen apart. All four mm-hmm. wheels, including the hitch, has fallen off his, his wagon. He's like, what, uh, several over par now? Nine over par now. Interesting, yeah. though. And Tiger Woods, who is lagging behind, is up there at the in second place. So... We'll see what happens here. So well, anyway, now have, that's now any,
2: any of our listeners do not have to rush home and watch the golf because you've just brought them up to date with. But all
1: we're that. doing it wrong, Brad. We have to talk oh, yeah. softly here and uh, oh, that's right. Tiger's we're on hole number seven. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Hey, you know, Ray. About a year ago, uh, I was at Pinehurst, uh, where they're having this event, and taking me to Pinehurst, which I just happen to have some friends that live in North Carolina. Yeah. Taking me to Pinehurst would be like taking Stevie Wonder to the circus. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I had no interest in this deal.
4: <laughs> I understand. Yeah, I went
2: I went anyway and I gotta yeah. tell you it's a beautiful facility. It has some history as you well know. Sure. But other than that, other than watching that sta- or looking at that statue was uh, that guy that unfortunately was in that plane it's, wreck was Payne back, Stewart,
1: yes, see. exactly. Payne Stewart
2: yeah. interesting statue there. Other than seeing that, it really didn't mean anything to me.
1: That's a shame. That's a shame. No, well, it was a shame. You should I have called me, I would have called. Well you saved two hundred dollars yeah. how?
2: No green feeds. I oh, just no green this, feeds? I <laughs> looked see. around. I don't know. That place is expensive. Your, your, cat, your caddy there, I think if you included him in your uh, Father's Day salaries, you'd find that the caddies there are
1: making 40, 50 Gs a year. Caddies make uh, pretty good money, especially the guys who win a lot as well, so that's good. Yeah. Let's, uh, before we uh, move uh, along any further here, let's, uh, let's take a look at uh, what's going on. Uh, Patrick Meyer this week, the marketing insider, has some interesting stuff about lifestyle innovation. Let's listen.
3: Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer.
6: I'm walking down Broadway, in New York City. I need to download a document, a presentation I'm going to be giving in the afternoon. I want to check my emails. So I cruise in to my favorite Starbucks, sit down, pick up a cappuccino bainte, open up my laptop, start to download my email, pick up the presentation. And I'm thinking, big kudos to Starbucks. The fact that this is my office away from the office, that I'm there more frequently for longer amounts of time, spending more money than I did in the past. What's so great about this? This is lifestyle innovation. This is Starbucks understanding the lifestyle of its target and evolving with that lifestyle. How do you get there? Talk to your consumer. Understand where they are, where they're going. Not just your category usage, but also what's going on in their lifestyle. What's happening? What are they passionate about? What do they feel time compressed on? What's going on? And out of that, find ways to better satisfy them with innovation. One way you can better do that with consumers is ethnographic research. Get in with them. Understand their lifestyle. How do they interact with your product? What's happening in their world? Film it. Capture it. Photograph it. Then bring people into that world with the consumer. Build ideas. Create innovations that better fit their needs going forward. Now you have the beginning of lifestyle innovation and the pipeline of it going forward. Good luck.
3: You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing.
6: This is Patrick Meyer, CEO of NOW, and remember, the marketing revolution has begun. For more, go to Nowink.net.
1: It's the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth and, uh, gonna bring Tony Kern back, uh, in just a, a few minutes here. Um and, uh, Brad, as long as we're, let me, let me, oh. f- let me follow yes. along on these salary Please. things, okay? I think it's wonderful. Please. These are TV All dads, right. their salaries. Uh, mm-hmm. Darren Stevens, bewitched, uh, advertising executive. Bad guy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's Stevens there's a there's a website uh, for what was it Tate uh, Tate and Tate is that what it was right exactly Stevens and Tate or something yeah there's a website that actually has those old ads on there uh, it's it's actually kind of cool anyway his uh, 2005 salary equivalent to seventy thousand seven eighty five Dick Van Dyke uh, Rob Petrie a head a comedy writer which we could use mm-hmm. here on this show ninety five uh, nine forty one um, hmm. and, and who else do we have oh the the top one by the way Blake Carrington hmm. of Dynasty. And uh, he was the CEO of Denver Carrington, and uh, his salary was 856550
2: Wow. Huh. So there. Wow. Yeah. You know, uh, Patrick Meyer was talking about staying on top of your consumers' thoughts and needs and desires and so forth. Uh, we have an RSS feed, which for those folks who don't understand, that's called really simple syndication, but it's the cutting edge of what's going on in the streaming world today, and we are – Trans, uh, transitioning over to an RSS feed from our archives that you can reach uh, normally through the theadvertisingshow.com. And it's the fine folks at Shippel Technologies in uh, Houston, our home market of Houston, that's making this uh, possible. And we're not quite there yet, but within the next few weeks, we will be announcing uh, an RSS feed. And frankly, where did we come up with this idea? In the last year, we received email after email from our listeners saying, Hey, dude, can I download and podcast your deal? And I said, yeah. And I said, Ray, can we? Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't know. We're going to have to do no away with these Campbell soup
1: uh,
2: <laughs> cans. But, uh, yeah, so we're, we're transitioning over to that, and uh, we're really excited about it. And it's just, you know, over 150, however many archive shows that we have, will be available through RSS feeds as well as all future shows here in about
1: two weeks. There is an office full, as we speak now, even on this Father's Day, of stenographers and such just working at their uh, at their typewriters. Uh, changing every word that we've said on the previous shows just so they can do this RSS stuff. It's pretty cool, actually.
2: Yeah, yeah that's They're, true. You can hear I mean, the yeah, typewriters in the
1: background, right?
2: S-C-H-I-P-U-L, Shippel. The fine folks at Shippel are making that possible. Shippel.com is a place that you can <laughs> right. go visit them. Yes. And that's a shameless plug for them. But, you know, we're shameless. Okay.
1: Surprised you didn't give the phone number out. That's okay.
2: 713. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you, the, uh, you hear this classic spot on the advertising show from time to time. It is the, I'd like to teach the world to sing, the hilltop sure. uh, thing. Um, Crispin Porter, Porter Bogusky is uh, in its new spots Launching Coca-Cola Zero Is is using that uh, hilltop in, in a brand new thing Featuring hip-hop artist G. Love really? You like him, you've got all of his CDs In a youthful Playing rooftop it right setting and incorporates the Coke Zero slogan Everybody mm-hmm. chill into new lyrics Set to the classic tune So we're going to hear wow. that song again
2: They're obviously not targeting you, Ray yeah. Or me all right. Uh, or we would be. Uh, what is this product anyway? What's the what's the baby? I've been hearing about it, but I'm wondering what is it? Sugar free? Uh, I don't a know version of Coke. What is it?
1: I mean, Coke has done so many new things recently with their product. It's almost a. Uh it's almost like what Mercedes did to their car line, the product line. Yes. <laughs> Watered it down a little bit. Actually, I, I don't have, know. I don't
2: know. They're going to have a contest, Mercedes. If you can guess any three models and name them, that <laughs> yeah, have right. To have out today, which is about <laughs> eighty-five models right now. No kidding. If you can guess any three in a row, you get one free or something. You know,
1: back know. to Coke for just a minute too. I mean, yeah. I had a diet lime Coke with Splenda today. Okay, so mm. now there's no more. Uh, what's the other thing? Nutra. Nutrisweet. Nutrisweet. So yeah. now it was diet uh, but there again I don't know what coke zero is I'm sure our listeners well, do if, though.
2: If if you want to get a funny look from the guy uh, at the convenience store that you go to which invariably will be from some other country ask for either a tab <laughs> or a fresca. <laughs> what? And he'll look at he'll he'll throw his hands up and go take the money
1: <laughs> I got no money. Anyway. Yeah, exactly, and you get your picture taken for free. Yes, that's a good that's thing. True. By the way, Tiger Woods is three over. Uh, yes. Washington Lobby Group is aiming to counter the Food Police. I think this is interesting, the Food Police. The Center for Consumer Freedom, headed by Washington lobbyist Rick Berman, is uh, funded by the Food Industry Concerns who say it's important to have a voice in the debate over obesity and the American diet. But critics charge the, the group misrepresents research on obesity in order to downplay its health effects. That's like saying back when they used to say, nope, cigarettes are good for you. Eh, there's nothing right. wrong with that. And and what,
2: do you want want hot apple pie with that? would be a good question. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah,
1: that's the thing. And uh, I had something else in here. As long as we're talking about food, let me look here. Hold on. Where is it? Well, of course I can't find it. Oh, yeah, here it is. <laughs> oh. It says, it, this is a commentary. This is from... Uh, Um, Well, let's see. It was at Business Week's David Kiley. Uh, he's got a blog that says McDonald's decision to slim down Ronald McDonald and launch new activity-oriented toys is a great response to the scrutiny the restaurant has faced. Obesity and health are really not about just what we eat. They're about what we do, too. McDonald's has got that right. So they're given an A-plus sure. to the uh, change in the uh, perspective for uh, McDonald's as well. In just a minute, we're going to bring Tony Kern back out of Washington, D.C., the U.S. Deputy Managing Partner, Technology, Media, and Telecommunications Group at Deloitte & Touche with Ray Shillings on the end- Brad Forsyth on The Advertising Show back in a minute.
0: You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth.
2: What do you mean you can't return the car, sir? Was it stolen?
6: Uh, no. No, you, sir.
2: You had an accident, right?
0: Well, I kind of... It-
4: no, no, I did it on purpose.
2: What did you do, sir? Well,
4: you remember when I came in to rent the car and yeah. I insisted? I, I made a fuss about it, it being a Camaro. Yes, I remember. I remember it, I, it had to be a
2: Camaro because I really wanted to impress a very special lady. We're going to drive through the Redwoods.
1: Well, she was impressed. Right, okay. I picked her up, and the first thing she said There's was. There's a uh, classic wow, uh, now that's Chuck Lor spot to uh, to listen uh, to that email. entire spot. You can email yeah. us, and I'll send you the MP3 yeah. file. How's that? It's uh, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsythe back for uh, another segment with Tony Kern, who is the U.S. Deputy Managing Partner, TMT, Technology, Media, and Telecommunications Group at Deloitte and Touche. And uh, Tony, welcome back to the show. Thank you.
2: Yeah, it's great uh, talking with Tony today, Ray. It's not often we get to. Uh, talk to such a bright and intelligent guy and I'm not saying that just because he's listening but it does help that he's listening because you know, we're going to be sending him a bill, did you say Ray, at the end of the show? No, he
1: got a two for one deal today. Basically, He did
2: get yeah, a two for a one, two. okay well, uh, give a heads up to our an our
1: advertising show tie that's true.
2: Uh, or or a uh, a soap mug. I always like those soap mugs.
1: Yes, yeah, soap mugs uh, are good.
2: Shaving soap. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, let's jump back in. This is, again, a shorter segment here, uh, Tony, but just for our listeners, I'm going to be jumping all over the place here because you do have a wealth of knowledge and a lot of uh, hot topics that are uh, late-breaking in the industry today that you have a lot to say about. Let's start with cons- the fact that consumers... Uh, certainly, are presented with a wide variety of media options, as we've been talking about VOD, PVRs, as well as DVDs, just to mention a few. Yet, your research uh, shows that consumers are sticking with brands and services that uh, are readily available and that can be trusted. Uh, t- talk about this finding and what it means in today's marketplace, Tony.
5: Yeah, I think I think right now people people are still attracted to brands. I mean, it's it's cool and it's sexy, and if you're branding properly. Uh, there's a there's kind of a hip component to it, so that's why you see a lot of people sticking with things they know, brands they know, and uh, and brands they can trust. You you continue to see that I think in the marketplace. Although the, I think that consumer group is really starting to break apart, I and mean, we're starting to see it break apart uh, pretty quickly. And is as that audience that. Formerly mass audience becomes a mass of audiences, and it starts to break apart. Brand loyalty is going to be a real issue uh, b- because they're just—you don't reach them the same way you did for years and years and years.
2: Yeah, you know, I think the question becomes: Is it—is it the fact that maybe uh, media is not doing as good of a job in influencing the large groups as they once did, or is—or—and—and and, or could it be that uh, well, it's just more challenging for new products coming to market today, especially those looking. To break into already crowded product categories, I
5: think that's I think that's the answer. I think it's difficult to reach people, and I and I think it, the market is very crowded right now. So, it, and it, so you combine those two factors, and I think it's just very difficult
2: right now. Yeah, you know, uh, we've all seen an increase in blogs, of course, and a lot's been talked about that lately. And uh, yet, your uh, TMT report, you talk about the increase of uh, wikis. Are, am yeah. I saying that correct? Yeah, yep, a well, wiki. Wiki, uh, which is of course, uh, well, why don't you explain what a wiki is for those that may not.
5: Be well, it's a, it's a, it's a, not unlike a blog, but it's a web-editable site by anybody. So if you go onto a wiki site, you can actually edit it from anywhere. So you've got all sorts of people editing other people's stuff on a wiki. And I, my recollection is wiki is Hawaiian for very quick or very fast. And uh so wikis are kind of a kind of a cool way for people to express themselves and to get a lot of ideas out there very very
2: quickly. Yeah, well Ray had a girlfriend from Hawaii that used to call him <laughs> that, but I don't really understand what that, that was, was her name? Huh? <laughs> well, yeah, uh no, she called him Old that. Name you know? your oh, mom, she right. called
7: him that, uh, yeah. Yeah
2: yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So uh so what are the advantages of uh, wikis uh, as far as a media standpoint?
5: I think well, it's interesting to monitor what goes on in a wiki and what people are writing. But I think, like blogs and everything else, you have to you have to understand who who is there and who's you know who's writing and doing that type of thing. And uh, you know, I don't think you, it's it's not the type of large sampling that you might expect. Otherwise, we're talking about sampling audiences earlier and how representative they are. I think wikis and blogs are not necessarily real representative of the you know the greater buying public.
2: Yeah, you know, I noticed the uh, Los Angeles Times has a wikitorial page, they're calling it. It's in public beta use uh, currently. And I guess my take on that, and tell me if you think this is accurate, it's kind of a uh, a letters-to-the-editor type of uh, blog version, but yet it's more collaborative where you kind of, it's a little bit of... uh, instant messaging as well but it's not really instant messaging it's more collaborative i guess huh? Yeah, it is.
5: right that's exactly what it is because you can edit other people's work on there and comment on it and that's what makes it that's what makes it kind of collaborative
1: gotta take a break here on the advertising show our special guest and we still got tony for another 15 minutes or so the u.s deputy managing partner technology media and telecommunications group deloitte and touche with ray Shillins and brad forsyth back in just a minute with more on the advertising show
0: decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Well, hello, boy. Now, what do you say? Let's make
5: with the popcorn right away. Too much trouble and bother, yes, indeed. No, man, heat's
6: all you need. You need more than heat,
1: boy. It's The Advertising oh, Show with Ray Shillings, Shillings and Brad Forsythe. That kind of reminds me of the Tony the Tiger guy, and uh, Heap just recently passed away, by the way, Brad. His name was like Thurston Howell the Third or something like that. Uh, I, I forget what it was. Ravens, Ravens Court, something or other. Interesting, but uh, that's uh, Tony the Tiger sound alike, I guess. It's Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Before we get back to our interview with uh, uh, with not Tony the Tiger, Tony Kern, <laughs> we're going to bring on uh, Jeffrey Gittimer now, and uh, let's do that.
0: Quick
3: takes on sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now,
7: here's Jeffrey. Hey, this is the double your income formula. Well, sort of. So, you want to double your income? Show me the money, you scream. No, no, no. Show me you're willing to work hard to get better. Show me the money, you scream. (laughs) You don't get it. Most salespeople, well, not you, of course, are not willing to do the hard work that it takes to make selling easy. Plus, most salespeople already know everything. They already think they know the answers because they've tried that before and it didn't work. You know, business lore says that Edison tried and failed more than a 1,000 times before inventing the light bulb that worked. Many salespeople quit after the third failure. Most, however, quit after the first one or two failures. Suppose Edison decided to quit after failure number 753. No way, baby. He was on a mission, a mission of success. What mission are you on? Most salespeople are on the quota or sales plan mission. Make a certain number of sales or making certain that a number of sales are achieved by some period of time, usually a month or a year. I wish there was one plan that said create 100 solid relationships this year or earn 100 unsolicited referrals this year or keep 100% of your existing customers loyal this year. It may be because your ad sucks.
1: That's Jeffrey Gittimer on The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Always good advice from Jeffrey. We like uh, having him a part of the uh, show. Tony Kern is also our guest this weekend. Uh, He is uh, out of Washington, D.C., U.S. Deputy Managing Partner, Technology, Media, and Telecommunications Group, Deloitte & Touche. Tony, welcome back to the show. We're glad to have one final segment with you here. Thank you.
2: Yeah, Tony is known as uh, going into a large group and making a presentation to all the Deloitte and Touche uh, employees and staff members. And he says to all you accountants out there, "I've forgotten more about marketing than you'll ever know." <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of sets the tone for the uh, beginning of his talk. He always opens with that line. Right. I'm always
7: That's,
2: very high. Uh, yeah. yeah well. Yeah, and they, and then they in turn say uh, the seven number goes in box number three and then the four <laughs> number goes in box number two let's uh, let's talk about uh, internet protocol television or IPTV first of all uh, very innovative very interesting new concept that's out there and you know, relatively new uh, first of all Tony what is it and how does it work
5: uh, the way IPTV works internet protocol TV works is it actually will distribute a program directly to your home so you have a choice of you know unlike this the uh, sort of continuous uh, streaming or broadcast across the cable system now where you are essentially, unless you have a TiVo machine, time locked by when it comes out. In an IPTV format, you're actually able to select when you want to watch a specific program that it is streamed or downloaded to your house so you can watch it. So what it does is it, it time shift, you can time shift, uh, you can actually, uh, you can actually figure out again, absent privacy concerns, um, who's watching what, when, and, and why they're watching it. It actually opens up some pretty interesting um, you know, areas where you can market. So you can do things. You can market by, uh, for instance, uh, the people who love to watch reruns of Gilligan's Island for some reason or, or something mm-hmm.
2: like that. You've been watching uh, Ray's viewing habits by now, <laughs> I think. Uh, so where are we with IPTV right now? Who has it? Where is it being pushed out to? Who's using it?
5: there's a couple small companies that are starting to use it now, but the, the biggest place you're going to see it emerge is in the, uh, the big telephone companies, the uh, regional bell operating companies. Most of those advanced program video formats are going to be done in an IPTV format. Um, so that's the plan right now. And, and you know what? The, the cable companies will follow eventually with it. They're gonna, but well, I think we're going to see it come out in, in, big, in, in a big way with the uh, big phone companies first. Yeah,
2: do what changes do you expect to see as a result of IPTV from both a viewership and an advertising standpoint?
5: Well, it creates you know, granted, creates that fragmentation problem where you know you don't have that mass audience at any one time, um, and so it creates a time of day problem, it creates a reach problem, um, creates creates just a number of problems because the viewing habits get broken up, uh, so it's hard to identify any one time period so now you're really looking at who's watching a specific program and really it doesn't matter what time they're watching it's just the fact that they ordered it and downloaded it which creates the other issue is the timeliness of ads themselves and the timeliness of marketing so if you're trying to get a brand new automobile out there or a soft drink or something if this thing has been delayed by weeks and weeks and weeks it can really drag out that promotion cycle so that's one of the issues
2: Yeah, and as you well know, a lot of advertisers consider the time of day in which the message is being uh, inserted into a particular program as well as, you know, the receptivity of the consumer at that time as well. So you're exactly right. I I think there are going to be some challenges going forward. I have heard, just as a personal note, that one day soon, uh, if not already, you tell me that – people will be able to go to their computer in the morning and download radio programming according to different programmings that they have, have access to to a little device that they take to their car and listen to that as they're driving around in the order uh, that they want. So they may be listening to evening drive during the morning or they might be yeah. listening to a midday show during the morning time. And it's also been suggested that with if and when this uh, technology becomes more, uh, broadly accepted that it may leapfrog over what we know as satellite today, and satellite may be just a footnote in, in history. What are your thoughts on that, Tony?
5: Well, I agree. You know, we're actually, uh, the industry is fairly close to being able to do that, and it, it does create a problem. I mean, s- uh, satellite is not unlike terrestrial broadcast. There's a lot. There's many more channels to choose from. <laughs> But it's not unlike terrestrial broadcast at the moment that they get you get the feed or you get the uh, you get the program when it's on, and you know when people can time shift and remember this is back to where we talked about an hour ago. It's the consumer that wants it, you know, when I want it, where I want it, and how I want it, and uh, that's where we're headed.
2: Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, how do you think that they will come about a metric for satellite uh, radio as we hear about the? All the glowing expectations of the satellite uh, radio industry—I guess you know the two made two players, the only two left in yeah. that industry. H- how how will they measure this going forward for advertisers?
5: Um, you know, I'm not exactly sure. I, I don't think that you know the standard diary methods or any of the other methods that are out there right now work very well, which is which is an issue. And as you know, that the satellite folks generally consider themselves that you know when you talk to the satellite people, they will tell you that that. The, the way they broadcast, you know, using a satellite is just one of the ways they want to broadcast. They are now cutting deals to broadcast, you know, through cellular phones, and, and I use broadcast in the kind of generic sense, but to, to 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 play music and programs and information and news through phones. And so they say satellite is just one of one of the many ways that they're going to be getting to us.
2: That would include, logical.
5: yeah, it you know, yep. makes sense.
2: Yeah, and you know, I kind of remember, somebody asked me that a few weeks ago, I wanted to get your take on it, I, I suggested that kind of in the same early days of cable, when they used to claim, they I mean the media reps, hey, we have, you know, 200,000 people that subscribe to cable, and you need to be on it for $4 a commercial, and of course, the, your immediate thought is, yeah, well, who the hell's watching it, uh, and and plus, now you have such a, a variety of, uh, of channel choices, you're still looking at a fragmented market there, and uh uh, I don't know. It, we'll leave that for the media uh, gurus out
5: there to. You're to right. There's ain't. no direct feedback method to tell what people are, what people are watching or when, or so.
2: Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, mobile media consumption, and it's, certainly it's becoming a, a new market for advertisers and retailers. Consumers worldwide spend billions of dollars personalizing their mobile phones with ringtones and screensavers and wallpaper, et cetera. But, uh, where are we with using mobile phone screens as an ad serving mechanism,
5: Tony? well we're getting there it's it's slow right now because the technology is a bit slow but we're actually about to see a, uh, a couple of uh, uh, kind of and they're not these aren't daring steps but new kind of business models around media and one of the ones that's been talked about the most is an MVNO a mobile virtual network operator and the one that's been publicized a uh, bit is the uh, ESPN move into the mobile phone, where they'll be able to stream information over the phones and, you know, effectively effectively advertise their product and their channel and their services over those phones. So it's happening. Um, you know, it's not as sophisticated yet as I think it will become, and that's only because the devices aren't as sophisticated as they could be yet. But no, uh, we're getting there. It's not only the device; it's also the network itself.
2: And what is the function of the MVMO again?
5: It's a mo- it's a mobile virtual network operator. So in the oh, case internal. of e- yes. ESPN, they don't own the network or the phones. I they're they're you essentially uh, you know working through another company to do it. I got you.
2: So other than the screen size, any limitations to mobile media as a as a uh, uh, advertising medium?
5: Network speed, but it's coming along pretty quickly. If you look at some of there's a, there's a, uh, a protocol EVDO, which is a very high speed uh, video. Uh, protocol that's being launched on a handful of mobile networks, and once that gets up and running and is and is proved out a little more, actually, the you know we'll we'll start to see ads on phones, and they will be readable, and you know because of the screen definition, will be good. So I, I think we'll start to see it over the next probably eighteen to twenty-four months. It'll start happening.
2: And and we've been reporting here on the show that uh, we understand there's some technology out there that allows for. Uh, uh... consumers to be walking in front of a store and receive a message on their mobile phone uh, broadcast from the store that you're walking in front of is that taking hold
5: uh... It hasn't taken hold yet the technology it's starting it is just starting to happen this, these are called location-based services Um, So any of these location-based services, when you're walking by a store or you're looking for something in a particular location, the networks will be sophisticated enough that they can find you and identify you and send you information, or you can retrieve information that you may want based on where you are. So Mm -hmm. it's pretty exciting, I mean, for I think for everybody, for the marketers and the advertisers and the product people.
2: So uh, we have just about a minute left uh, in the complete interview here. Any thoughts on, gosh, could you stick your neck out and say five years, uh, capture what the media market will be more like than it is today, or is that, is that going too far?
5: No, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you where I think it's headed based on the research we've done. I think we're going to see continued fragmentation in the media market. We're seeing fragmentation of devices themselves, so how you receive the information, whether it's in-home or it's mobile. Uh, we're going to see fragmentation of content right, along the lines of IPTV, but wirelessly as well. And that creates you know, fragmentation of the advertising market as well. So you've got this the whole concept of fragmentation, which is going to be a big issue, and it's going to be a bigger issue five years from now than it is and beyond that. It's, it's going to continue because of the generational issues.
2: Well, I don't know about you, Ray, but if uh, I'm a betting man, I want Tony on my side of the table. <laughs> yeah, really.
1: Some good advice there. Absolutely. Hey, by the way, if you want to find out more, uh, go to uh, Deloitte.com, deloitt uh, com. Tony, it's been fun having you on the on the advertising show today. My pleasure. And uh, we will be back in just a minute with more. We've got uh, Andy Borowitz still to come this hour with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the advertising show. Back in a minute.
0: Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth.
4: Snap. What a happy sound. Snap is the happiest sound i found. You may clap, rap, clap, clap, but snap uh, makes the world go round. Snap.
1: On the advertising show uh, just about to wrap up uh, this Father's Day edition weekend show. And thanks again to uh, Tony Kern, U.S. Deputy Managing Partner. Uh, Deloitte and Touche out of Washington, D.C. Next uh, next week, by the way, it's going to be Neil Perry, who's VP of Market Intelligence, iMedia Communications. And we'll have Neil on the show. Where is Neil at? Do you know? I don't know. Okay. Well, that was a, that was a true-false he, He's question, on the
2: 800 right toll-free, wherever that may be.
1: Okay, good. Well, we'll find <laughs> out next week. We'll find out where Neil's at. We've got time for one more segment, and it's always fun checking in with Andy Borowitz on the Advertising Show.
3: Hi, this is Andy Borowitz for The Advertising Show. And now, here's this week's feature from The Borowitz Report.
1: The debate over the future of the detention center at Guantanamo, Cuba, was ramped up another notch this past week as VP Dick Cheney offered to transfer all detainees held there to the secure, undisclosed location he calls home. The vice president, whose underground lair is believed to be located thousands of feet beneath the Earth's crust, said that his subterranean home is well-equipped to hold thousands of detainees, adding that he would relish the task of interrogating them. If crybabies like Joe Biden think that the detainees are being treated too roughly at Guantanamo, I say ship them down to Camp Cheney, the vice president said in a speech to the veterans of foreign tax shelters in Switzerland. A couple of days with me and those enemy combatants will be singing like canaries. The Vice President's extraordinary offer immediately raised legal questions in the human rights community who argued that Mr. Cheney was trying to evade the Geneva Conventions against torture by holding detainees in a subterranean bunker that does not have a mailing address. In response to those arguments, however, the Vice President offered a terse rebuttal. Tough. Mr. Cheney acknowledging that tormenting hundreds of detainees was too big a job for one man, said he would seek the assistance of John R. Bolton, President Bush's nominee to be ambassador to the U.N. We're a great team, Mr. Cheney said. We're kind of bad cop and worse bad cop. Elsewhere, the mother of Michael Jackson's accuser got a public vote of confidence this past week from Anna Ayella, the woman who claimed she found a finger in her Wendy's
3: chili. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from the advertising show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to borowitzreport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying, "Keep it fake, baby."
1: You know that Cheney thing is such a warm fuzzy. Wouldn't that be nice to get all those guys in his, in his underground lair, Brand? They uh, made my chest tighten up when I heard you talking about Cheney. Cheney, okay, yeah. Well, it's warm fuzzy, you know. I mean, he's a dad too, so you know, I'm sure he's got a tie. He's-
2: <laughs> he's not he is warm and he 's missing some fuzziness on this head. The top, on the top of the very head, extreme top exactly he 's a nice guy though
1: there is uh, something going on in l a <laughs> switching gears um, yeah. uh, led billboards led billboards test driver's guess, concentration clear channel. Clear Channel. No, it doesn't say who, but uh, downtown stretch of Interstate 5 in L.A. is the proving ground of what could be the next big thing in outdoor advertising. LED Mm -hmm. billboards project images that are as bright and clear as anything in Times Square. Nearby shopping centers are reporting a dramatic uptick in sales since the installation of the board's but questions of safety remain. I could see sure. the TV stations using the billboards to broadcast the live police chases in L.A. That would That's be a, good, would yeah. That would be kind of cool. You see yourself yeah. driving by so, and Hi, wave. <laughs> and there he goes. Or the,
2: or the conclusion of a celebrity lawsuit. That's exactly prosecution, right. Prosecution, if you will.
1: That was interesting. It would would have been interesting to see the number of people watching on the web uh, this past week. It was this past week, wasn't it, for Michael yeah. Jackson? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, I know we were, and Doug said uh, you said you were as well. But um, uh, just watching the uh, the live stream from I think it was it was NBC or somebody like that that was showing it. I'm sure everybody wow. was showing it, but it was kind of right. interesting to watch. So. Yeah. Uh, wow.
2: You know, know. they say well, do, you, do you think that they'll follow on with the civil suit, the the family, or you think they'll just, you know, get a, go ahead and get lost and forget it?
1: Well, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't think Michael's through with his problems. And as as his uh, attorney said, Michael's going to have to change the way he does things. Oh and well, the, the, I
2: thought you were getting ready to say change the way he looks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that's too late for that. I want any nose. God, just I just have a nose. A nose. Yeah. Next week, it's Neil Perry, Vice President of Market Intelligence, iMedia Communications, and we thank Tony Kern again for joining us here on the Advertising Show with Ray Shellens and Brad Forsyth. Remember, you can always go during throughout the week to theadvertisingshow.com, and that's where you're going to be able to uh, to see uh, actually listen to uh, today's interview in a condensed version, kind of like the soup you buy. Uh, it's a little bit shorter version than we have here on the radio. And uh, that is at theadvertisingshow.com. Also have media news up there as well. And, of course, you'll be able to uh, to uh, download that as well for podcasting. So, The Advertising Show, brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a Big Radio it's production.